Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are finishing Elantris. That is chapters 61, 62, 63, and the epilogue of Elantris, wherein the book ends. Lots of crazy stuff happens. Rowden fixes the magic. People start dying left and right. Some of them kind of don't quite die all the way, and then they're fine because they become full-on Elantrians. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, basically. So I am Data, and with me is... Janie. Joe, and I'm making dinner. <laughs> and Dak, and I'm not. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> Hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Feed the fire, set me free in this city of dreams. Push my mind into overload. Hack the wire, smash the team in this city of dreams. We'll be in So yeah, this is it. We're 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 done with this book, except for the the few little bits and pieces from the post story that we're gonna read for next time. So what did you guys think of Elantris and how everything wrapped up? Yeah, this was a book, uh, and it ended. Uh, <laughs> I I would say as a standalone book, I would say that I would rate it pretty pretty high. It's a good book. Very abrupt ending, but I think that's kind of, we figured out that's kind of Brandon's thing. So there were a few things that I was dissatisfied with, but overall on the whole, I would say that these last chapters were, uh, were very cool. Uh, I liked most everything that happened in them. Basically, the, the revitalization of Elantris it doesn't it doesn't um even though the ending is quite abrupt and it happens very fast it also doesn't feel like we didn't earn it you know like it felt like we did kind of earn it so yeah it was it was good i enjoyed the ending uh yeah i i, I agree i get a feel that uh that it's earned i mean he they worked the whole book to make the magic work and so when he finally fights through his own death to make the magic work you're like okay yeah yeah i would say the the only like super disappointing thing about the magic system is that you don't get to see like enough of it. Um, well, at least you don't get to see enough of it where it's actually working. Yeah, I, I can see what why you did that. Cool. Yeah, so I I liked what was in the chapters. I feel like we got answers to many things. I don't know. On the whole, I felt just a little like, oh, okay. Well, that was the end. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really have that. I don't know what I was looking for, like a bit of a wow factor or something at the end. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting, but it just didn't quite hit it. But having said that, I still enjoyed everything that happened. It might be, it's just that it all came very quickly. Like even from a Sanderlanch perspective, it was kind of like, boom, it's done. I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. And I don't know if it's just because we've come off Mistborn where we had sort of three books of all this stuff and obviously a lot more time to tell the story, but I do agree with Joe that it was a bit disappointing to not see more of how the magic works. And, you know, I feel like they've they've introduced, okay, well, you know, the magic that the Dark Horse monks are using and, you know, shoot him with his little ballet dance. You know, he's obviously tapping into something somehow too. It just, yeah, I feel like there's still so much that really didn't get explained. I really want to know more about, you know, Evan Teo and, keen as well and it's like you've just you've thrown in there that he's actually this pirate that you've been talking about forever and then nothing else happened with it so i i'm not sure that i'm fully satisfied 
with some of the story, but the stuff that got wrapped up I really liked, if that makes sense. Like I didn't dislike the ending. I just feel like there's more that I wanted from it. I don't know. Mm. I like I like the that's the one that you point out is the the brothers and wanting to know more about them because at the end of the book Serene totally says the same thing. She's like, I want to know yeah. more about that. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna figure it out one of these days. Yeah. And it's like you know, if we if we had another book coming or something, I feel like I probably would have felt more satisfied with how this ended, knowing there was more possibly to be told. And look, maybe there is more to be told somewhere in the Cosmere that ties into it. I don't know. Maybe there's adventures of Crushed Throat or something. I don't know. But it would be, yeah, I feel like we've kind of ended the story and it's just like, oh, okay, well, that's it. But having said that, I liked it. I liked the 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 battle. I liked that we finally got, you know, Adian's steps made some sense in the story and that we could travel using the magic but you know the, the the time I guess where we really had the opportunity to use the magic they were too far away from Elantris and it wasn't strong enough to use it you know appropriately I guess so that was a little bit sad but you know we definitely got more from um Dilaf's side of thing with the magic and yeah like Horizon's change of heart and you know then he ended up saving them all and just casually dropping in there that he's come to love Sereni. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and now he's dead and that story's over. <laughs> but, like, yes, so I liked it. It's, it's kind of a really double, weird double feeling about it. I liked it. I liked the story. I think it was quite fun and, you know, we – I think it's a really good story and a good book. I just – I think there's just something just a little bit more missing for me. I do like that you pointed out that we've clearly – we've been talking about this one magic – this whole book, the magic that didn't work. And then as we get into the end here, we find out that the decor monks have their own sort of magic and Shuden even seems to have some glowy magical stuff going on with his thing that he did. So there's like other magics in the world, but we only get a little taste of it at the very end. So that's kind yeah. of, uh, it's definitely enticing. Like, wait, wait, what? I want to know more. Yeah. I don't feel the story would have suffered if we didn't have like Shuden's little dance, you know, if if he just fought, I feel like we wouldn't have missed out and there probably wouldn't have been that question. But yeah, maybe something else happens on this planet or we learn more about the system, even if it's not necessarily an Elantra story, but maybe we get answers somewhere else in the Cosmere. Yep. Eventually we're going to get to uh, the Emperor's Soul, which is a short story or rather a novella that takes place on the same planet at least. So okay. there's, there's some opportunity there. Cool. Yeah, like this 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 is all right. Um like the book the book is fine. Um I think overall uh, uh, probably an unfair comparison, but it's like it didn't satisfy me as anywhere near as much as uh the ending of either Final Empire or um Hero of Ages did. So just I don't know, I sort of got to the end of the book and the first thing that popped into my head was like so after all that two of the main characters that we have followed through this entire book didn't once even talk to each other. Like, there was nothing between Hraithan and Raiden. And for some reason, mm-hmm. that really got under my skin. I'm like, I don't know. It just, yeah, that that really bothered me for, for some reason. Like, And just looking back, like, you know, there was there were opportunities for that to happen, and they just never eventuated. So I feel like, and looking back at some of the other things I've said about this book in the past, I do feel like a lot of the things about this book are missed opportunities, which obviously not the story that Brandon wanted to tell and that's you know it's his book it's his, it's his thing but it just wasn't quite as satisfying to me as as some of the other stuff we've read yeah the whole thing about Hraith and falling in love with Serene is like mm, okay not sure that 
really needed to be a thing, but whatever. <laughs> but like, as far as the action goes, it was all really satisfying. Um, and I do like that, you know, Raythan came back and he was the one to stop Dilaf. I love that Galadon basically like brought the army across, like just brought in brought in the cavalry and like all the Duckhorn monks were just like, yeah, we've got you now. All of a sudden, all the Elantrians appear out and just like, yep, fry them. So like that was there was cool. a, there was that a lot was, of really like, fun ex- moment. Yeah, there was like a lot of really fun, really cool action, but the overall emotionals and the, the emotional stakes of the book, I'm just like, eh, it didn't quite grab me as much in the end as it probably could have, but. Yeah, on the whole, still a good book, but not my favorite of what we read so far. Yeah, I get that. It's funny you mentioned that scene because even though I've already that scene always, I'm not expecting what happens. Even though I've read this book several times now, by the time I get there, I'm like, oh right, these guys just show up. Because when Rowden leaves and they're all like, you're insane. It's like there's no way that anyone's gonna follow him. He's doing the most insane possible thing that has like a zero percent chance of actually working. So when everybody else shows up, it's like, wait, what? At least that's the way I always take it. Maybe maybe somebody else saw it coming, but I'm I'm always surprised somehow by that. Yeah. Yeah. To Dak's point about, like, you get these characters that don't even talk to each other. Sometimes I got the feeling while reading this book that Serene is really supposed to be the main character, like the actual main character throughout the entire book. And maybe, like, Brandon was... When he wrote this, he was like, well, I can't make a female the main lead of the entire book. So he did this weird, like, split triumvirate thing. But, like, both of the characters interact with Serene, but Serene doesn't, or, but they don't interact with each other. So, like, and then they're both in love with her. So it's, yeah, I almost get the sense that, like, maybe it was, like, originally intended for her to be the main character, and then that was scrapped somehow. I don't know. Well, it's actually interesting, because when you think about it, Rowden doesn't talk to almost anybody outside of Elantris, and Hraithan doesn't talk to many people at all, like named characters. He doesn't talk to anyone from inside Elantris ever. He talks to Serene. He like says something to Eendel one time, and he talks to like Telri and the King one time. But nobody else in the book has, other than obviously like Diloph or whatever. But I mean, nobody else in the book has conversations with him. Like Hraithan and Rowden are both in their own little worlds, kind of. And Serene is the one who's moving around between everything. So you're, yeah. I'm, you're kind of right. It, it just, yeah, it just strikes me as odd, like that. At the end, Raithan and Raiden are very similar. Raithan is trying to get people to follow him. Raiden is very good at getting people to follow him. So, like, even if they just had one conversation when they thought Raithan was an Elantrian and Raithan, it ends with Raithan telling him to, you know, bugger off. Like, that still would have been something. But just the fact they never once spoke in the entire book, I'm like, it, you two are the two of the leads. Like, you never even cross paths. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest they got was when he opens the doors and, like, Rowden, or for Serene to walk out, and they, like, look and they share a look at each other, and I think that's the closest they get to actually talking. Yeah. That's, yeah, no, that just that just didn't sit right with me for some reason. Like, it just it just felt like a bit of a, again, a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone was expecting more to come out of Hraithan's stay in Elantris, like, that he would run into some of these people and find out some of this stuff and whatever, and, like, nothing came out of that, so it feels like a lot of missed opportunity there. Yeah. Although, story-wise, I get it, because, like... Oh, yeah, like, thematically, that section, like, it made sense that it fit what Brandon wanted to do with the character. I just felt that it wasn't as exciting or interesting as if he'd actually gone deeper into Elantris and found out more about it from the inside. Hmm. Okay, I guess let's get into these chapters. So we start out with Diloph about to cut Serene's neck right in front of her dad. He's like, ah, watch while I kill your daughter. 
and then Hraithan decides that no, this is wrong, and punches him right in the face. Uh, did anyone see this coming before we got to this point? I didn't see the punch to the face specifically coming, but I would say that I kind of had an inkling every time they talked about his armor that it was actual, like they said that it was for show, but that some, I don't know, something in the book kind of made me think like, I wonder if that armor really is like actual armor, like his armor. He's the type of dude who would be like, nah, I'm, I'm really going to wear some armor. And uh, turns yeah. out I was right. Yeah, I figured it was armor, like a real armor, but it was red for show, the dramatic effect. Yeah, I remember when, when I think it was the first time Serene sees him, and she's like, oh, look at that plate armor he's wearing. And then she's the one who I think tells us, like, yeah, they, they, they put on a show with that stuff, but, like, nobody could walk around in that armor all day, every day, doing normal stuff. So it's it's got to be, like, really light just for show armor. Uh, and so at some point, like, that idea gets planted in our heads way back when, and it pays off here. He's like, Dilloff's like, but that's just for show. And he's like, you should know by now, Dilloff, nothing I do is just for show. Very. Hraithan gets a, a, a cool line there. And then uh, he yells at Eventeo, get your ships out of here. The armies are going to come and kill you all, save your people, so on and so forth. And he's like, but I want my daughter. And he's like, I'll, I'll help your daughter. Save the kingdom, you fool. And, like, all the other, like, evil decor monks are standing there stunned by what just happened. Like, that dude just, a Gjorn just punched our Gragdet. What the hell? That's, that's nuts. <laughs> all, all these monks made of bone armor are just like, hey, 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 follow the chain of command, buddy. <laughs> and then we cut to Rowden, who uh, is in the water. They put him in the water at the end of the last of the, the, the mystery lake pond thing in the mountain at the end of the last chapter. And the lake's like, well, he come on. Into the water. They, 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 you know, they they took him all the way up there with the intention of throwing him in. So it's just, and it's just like, hey, it's like those like those people who are like just asleep and they have that nightmare where they spring up awake, but um, they're on the bottom bu- bed of a bunk bed and they smack their head on the top of, on the bed above them. <laughs> it's like that with a pool. With, with a pool. Mm. The water's like, come on, I, I will give you release. And Rowden's like, no, that's just we get a quick flash of that. So anyway, it, it, instantly I saw that and I was like, ah, so you're talking to the Shard, eh? Ooh, maybe. Talking to something. Unless yeah. it's all in his head somehow. That's possible, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we cut back to Lukal, where uh, they've the Fjordals have all the Elantrians in a pile and they're throwing oil on them, getting ready to torch them. And Shud is just off to the side doing his uh, his circle motions. And then he jumps in, punches one of the warrior monks in the chest and there's an audible crack and then shooting slaps him across the face and his head twists completely around as his reinforced neck snaps so yeah shoot just took out one of those uh decor monks with a slap all while his eyes are closed also and then lukal picks up his table leg and moves in there to attack and we cut away again we got these rapid cuts at this point Hraithan is running through the streets at night with Serene, trying to keep her safe while the monks are chasing him. And he's going he's gonna to try to fight. And she's like, no, you can't fight them all. We got to go. And we cut to Rowden bursting out of the water. God on a Karata are like, wait, what the, f- the water's supposed to like disintegrate you? We've only seen it work one time. We just assumed it always would work exactly the same. But oh no, I guess they've done it twice because they put, uh, what's his name? The guard sail in in there too. Yeah. Forgotten that. It says the cool blue liquid stream from his face. It wasn't water, but something else, something thicker. And then he just tells them to come and stumbles to his feet. Cut back to Lukal and Shudin, who are fighting, but Lukal's not really much of a fighter, and so he's not doing super well. And what saves him for a 
a little bit of time is the women. Finally, we get a little bit of payoff to Serene and her fencing lessons as the ladies pick up fallen swords or pieces of wood and jump in to fight also. But none of them are really, you know, despite their training and even shooting with his martial arts, none of them are really warriors like these soldiers. So Shuden gets a sword in his arm and falls down and then a club to the head. And then Eshin gets a sword rammed through her chest. Which, oh, what a way to bring her back. Right? For like half a second, yeah. Eshin is back and then she's not. I think, oh, rest- she's just been hanging around this, this whole time, this poor woman. <laughs> like her, everything about her has been awful. She she got no wins in the end. She didn't even get a minor win here. She's like, she can use a sword. Oh, she, instantly she's dead. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting bit in the annotations about both of these things. So one of them says, uh, realize that the Chase Shan, that's Shuden's martial arts thing, wasn't ever intended to be effective or successful. I don't want it to be a deus ex machina for the people trapped in Lantris. It's a hint of things that I plan to do with the future of this world. Ah, sequel baby. Ah. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit. Uh, there's also, and I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm missing it, but there's, there's a funny bit that I wanted to touch on here. Let me see if I can find it real quick about uh, people dying. Sound effects added to lessen tragedy. <laughs> Here's a line. Oh, it's a funny bit about people dying. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. OK, I'll get to it in a minute. Then. Yeah, sorry about that. And then he talks about how the, uh, you know, the fencing bit is a payoff uh, to the to all that that Shireen was doing. But once again, it wasn't intended to be like a thing that saved everyone. It was just he wanted to give the women, you know, a chance to fight back and to to show that they uh, changed and their their character developed some throughout the book. But uh, it's not the thing that's going to save everyone. Neither is Lukal yeah. suddenly deciding to jump in. Well, like you said, he doesn't even know how to use the sword. Yeah, Frankly, exactly. it's amazing he survived it all. <laughs> right? So he says, the women attack because it fulfills the form of this novel. This is a book about people who resist despite hopelessness. And it's about making use of your limitations to overcome your hardships. It's about the spirit of mankind. So, yeah. Anyway, we get Rowden running down the side of the mountain next. And uh, I wonder if you guys had, like, how much you guys figured out from last time. We didn't really talk about it. But as... Rowden realizes that all of Volantris and the cities around it are like a big Aeon. And so did you guys pick up at that time on the fact that, oh, what we need to do is add that one line to the city to make the giant Aeon work? No, I didn't pick up on that. Okay. No, no, I didn't pick up on it either. And I was a little bit confused about why he had to draw the line. I just, I don't know. It might be baby brain. It could be really obvious to everyone else. But it was like the cat, isn't the chasm the line? Well, I mean, yeah, the but chasm. further out? Well, the chasm is the line within, like, is within the country, but it's not, right. like, within the city of Elantris. So this is a big Aeon mm-hmm. that is also based on the layout of Elantris and the cities around it, where the chasm does run through. Well, all, right? all the Aeons are based on the country of Aralon, and yeah. the chasm runs through the country. But Elantris yeah. is built, as with the cities around it, is built as a giant Aeon. And so... If you look at the map, like the chasm is actually way in the south uh, of the country, and, and Elantris the is way in the north of the back country. In. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm with you now. Because I was I read that bit a couple of times, and I was like, I understand that he's drawing a line, but I don't know why, and I I couldn't I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, I know it's the big fix, but I don't know. <laughs> and, well, it doesn't need to be a little bit more permanent. 
Well, and that's that's Brandon says the annotation. So he's like, I tried to build in several times in uh, as we talked about it in Andor at different times that it doesn't matter what you make the lines out of. You can use your fingers. Or oh, you that's can right. Use yeah. whatever. And duct. so, yeah, exactly. And so that's it was rough. okay for him to just scratch the line. I mean, it would have been a pretty slow burn if you had to build like a permanent wall or something. <laughs> if you had to build a wall. <laughs> Caledon, get me a shovel. Mm-hmm. Brandon, Guys, 2020. Like we're let's, we're gonna build that wall. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he did that later. If he like went back and uh, once he's king and adds a wall there, draws the A on for bulldozer. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so then uh, Round is just running down the mountain, like all out. He's got to get back there to, to fix the stuff. We we'll cut back to Serene, who she and Harithan are hiding out. And they're like, no, we gotta stay down. <clears throat> They end up in somebody's house, and she tells the family, "Yeah, stay in here. Don't don't come out unless you have to." And Raven starts pulling off his armor, which he explains. He's like, "I no longer deserve this." And I'm like, "Okay, but dude, you're you're fighting all these guys. Maybe you should go ahead and just keep it for now. Like, maybe." Don't deserve it later. Yeah. <laughs> stay alive. It's like it's like uh, you know they had to have a reason for him to get massacred and then come back somehow. And she's like, you've been walking around in all, 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 all these months with real armor? Wasn't that difficult? And he's like, eh, the burden of my calling. He pulls off the chest plate, and she's just like, damn, man, you are ripped. <laughs> it turns out now it's just a, he just wanted to take his shirt off in front of his love. Yep, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> For some reason, it reads to me like Goku when he starts taking off the weights. He's like, you know, do a little stretch, yeah. jump around. And she's asking Kraythan, like, why did you do this? And he's like, what Diloph's doing is evil. She's like, but your faith. He's like, my faith is in Jadeth. He wants devotion, not massacre. And she says, well, Rin seems to think, Warren seems to think differently. And he's like, let's just go. He doesn't want to have to deal with that because in in this religion, you follow God through the people above you. So he's supposed to be doing whatever Warren says. He's not supposed to interpret God's will himself, according to Shudreth. So... I really liked, I actually really liked this part of Raven's story because he was like the bad guy the whole whole way along. But his storyline of how he felt really bad about what happened in Dooladel and not wanting to make the same mistakes and just mm-hmm. like, I actually found this to be completely organic for his character. It's not like he it was like, oh, I'm the bad guy, but I've had a sudden change of heart or anything. It was definitely true to what he wanted the whole time. And I actually really liked that. I thought that this part of his storyline was actually really fulfilling. Yeah, I agree with you because yeah, he, he, from the beginning, he's been like, I, he feels bad about what happened to Doolittle. He does not want to massacre. He wants to do this the quote unquote right way. And then when it comes down to it and it's like, well, it's, we're going to kill all these people. You, you're, you've run out, you've run out of your chance to do it the other way. Really. We were never going to give you that chance in the first place. That's when he's forced to confront his guilt basically. And it's either let it happen again or, change essentially yeah we cut to route and still running and I, I like i like his bit where he's like he knew if he stopped running the pain would claim him again he wasn't truly free his mind was just on loan cut back to lucal again who's got a big old gash in his leg where they got him with a sword and his wife's like trying to hug him and bind his wound and stuff they th- throw a torch onto the pile of elantrians and the oil-soaked bodies burst into flames this the, the timing on this is not and he says in the annotations he's like i'm cheating the timing on this a little bit because the quick cuts imply that these things are happening at kind of the same time, but it probably takes Rowden a good 20 minutes of running to get down the mountain. So uh, 
and then he has to drag the stick for a good a good long while to get the the line drawn so it's the way I interpret what he's saying here is we're probably jumping into the future with this a little bit where he, they're throwing the thing just to make it more urgent seeming. And Karada's like, what is he doing as he's uh, got a stick and he's trying to draw a line? And Gollum's like, I don't know, but whatever it is, it's got to be important. We got to we got to make sure that he finishes. And that's when a bunch of guards show up and Gollum's like, come on, we got to take him out. We got to we can't let them stop him. And Rowden's barely aware of what's going on as he, he gets a stick and he has to draw. Karada gets her head separated from her body, so that's not good. Galadon gets a pair of swords in the stomach, and Rowden finishes his line, and then light explodes and things go crazy. And so the part where it talks about death is uh, in the annotations. He says, look, I'm sorry for killing Karada. It felt like the right thing to do here, even though my readers universally disagree with that decision. This is an important series of events. If I didn't have any real danger for the characters, then I think earlier events where characters did die would come across feeling more weighty than this. So Karada and Galadon throw themselves on a troop of armed soldiers. There's no way for that to end well. And then, by the way, none of the readers have even batted an eye about Eshin's death. I guess she got on their nerves. (laughs) Yo. Ouch. Take that, Eshin. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're being unfair to Eshin, but also I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> but he also says I that this like deserved better. Uh, I mean yeah I, I, she was never a bad person she was a little flighty and stuff but uh, she, she had like uh, like one of the shittest non-Elantrian lives in the book mm. well it's all over now yep but uh, he, he also says in the annotations that this is one of the one of the moments that he had in his mind when he started writing this book was this image of Rowden finishing drawing this line, and then light explodes from the ground and runs around the city. And so he says that this one scene I wish I could do cinematically rather than in text, because of, uh, it would look cool. Everything goes Avatar state. <laughs> so yeah, the light starts with the line that he just drew and then goes all around the city and the, the circle around the southern city, spreading along the wall of Elantris and the other the other three cities around. Soon all five cities were outlined with light, five resplendent pillars of energy. One square, four circles, Aeon Rayo, the spirit of Elantris. So in case it's not clear, Elantris is basically like a big uh, a big focus to channel and enhance the power of Aeon Dor. And that's why things did not work super well, or as well as they expected before you fixed the Elantris Aeon. Yeah, magic via architecture. Very strange, man. <laughs> well, I mean, they talked about earlier how they had, like, plates of metal with aeons drawn on them that made light for everybody. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I guess. And then people are, uh, the, the Elantrians get better. The transformation completes. The Shayod transformation. Galadon, even, he gets up and he's like, hey, I'm okay now. They didn't chop off my head. They just stuck swords in me. I guess that uh, is not so bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm a pincushion. And he turns right and turns toward the soldiers and he's like, you have one hour go. And there's, there's another thing in the in the annotations where he's like, so, yeah, Rowden gives the the soldiers and the monks a chance to leave. That's the kind of thing that happens in this book. If you want something more gritty, you could read Mistborn, although even that's not as gritty as uh, well. No, I'm sorry. He says, which is gritty for me, though, nowhere near the genius sadism of George R. R. Martin's books, which, yeah, that's a way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he's not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, he's not right exactly, yeah. So yeah, Lukal and uh, his wife are watching the fire. Father Omen is sitting behind him praying. 
And then the light happens, and all of those Elantrians that were piled up and lit on fire start getting up and walking out of the fire perfectly okay. One of oh, everyone is so stunned that only the the decor monks manage to actually move. One of them screams in denial and dashes at the Elantrians with his sword. A flash of power shoots across the courtyard. Raiden has shown up, and he it says immolates the creature in a puff of energy. The sword dropped to the paving stones, followed by a scattering of smoking bone and burnt flesh. Well, ain't that nice. First I took out the biology section. Now I take out the biology. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, once again, Rowden's like, okay, you guys take your men to the docks, board your ships, and go. Anything Dorethy, man or vessel, remaining in my country after the next hour's chime will suffer the force of my rage. I dare you to leave me with a suitable target. Hopefully that was intimidating enough because he leaves in like five minutes or something. And, uh, and then all the other Lantrians seem to follow him. So they're leaving their country a little bit unprotected. And then Lukal uh, sees what's happening and everyone's cheering that Lantris is back. And he says, how totally unexpected. And then faints from blood loss. <laughs> I'm so glad we still have Lukal here for the uh, the comic relief. We cut to Diloph, who uh, is prodding his broken nose. And he's not very happy with Raithen. I wonder why. Um, and he thinks that uh, it's all fine. Evan Tail will never get his ships launched in time. And also I have 50 of my decor monks roaming around the city. Each one as powerful as 100 normal men. We're still going to win this. So very eventful first chapter of our three. We can move to the next one. Raithen's plan is for him and Serene to just get out of Dodge. He's like, look, we'll, we'll go down here. We'll get it. We'll get on a ship. We'll leave. Everything will be good hide out in Froval. And Serene's like, uh, no, I'm not leaving my homeland. And Raithen's like, yeah, you are. Look, I know Diloph. He's obsessed. If you stay here, he. if you stay here, so will he. If you leave, maybe he will leave too. I don't know if that's a good argument that you're like, we stay here where your father has an army to try to help protect you, or we can go somewhere else and he'll probably follow us there. <laughs> and also, do you want him to follow you there? I mean... <laughs> And he's in his own brain, like, she's not going to go with me, but why why do I even care? She's my enemy. And she's like, you never really answered my question. Why did you turn against your religion? He's like, I I don't know. I don't know, woman. I just, uh, it turned out that the thing I grew to believe was not Shudrath after all. I don't know what it is. And she says, Shukorath. And he's like, no, it's not. It's not just like Shukorath versus Shudrath. There's, I believe in the Dorothy teachings. I just don't, my problem is with Wern, not with God. And we get all this internal monologue about uh, what happened in Dooladel and all the stuff that's going on. And this is where I'm going to tell you guys about the alt- the uh, the first draft of this, which also had a, a, a crazy, for no reason, ridiculous reveal. In the original draft of the book, Raithen turns out to have been from Dooladel the entire time. It's revealed in this scene, when he and Serena are running from the decor, that he was of Dula blood, having grown up there and then moved to Fjordan as a teenager. Yes, I know. I must have been tired when I wrote that chapter. Anyway, at one point, it must have seemed like a good idea. It didn't even make the first cut. However, my readers, my first readers rose up in open rebellion and I joined them. I guess I must have decided that it was more dramatic <laughs> to discover that Hraithan had betrayed his own people by destroying Dooladel. Yes, I know it was stupid. We writers do stupid things sometimes. I didn't even pause to think that the drama of Hraithan betraying his own people and religion in the present is far more powerful than a betrayal that happened before the book even started. I was denying his entire character by trying to rely on some whim that seemed like a clever, unexpected twist. Writers, don't let yourselves do things like that. 
these Raiders rose up in rebellion. I want to know what the hell happened. <laughs> but yeah, wouldn't that have been a just, weird, like, random reveal? Just, I'm just picturing all these people sitting in a book club, just standing up, just throwing their books to the side. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Don't you have any respect for your own characters? This makes no sense. <laughs> and there's also a thing here that says, Serene doesn't get it. She has no clue how Horathan feels, of course. He doesn't even really acknowledge it to himself, at least not until he's dying in the street. She keeps asking why, and he can't tell her, because he won't even really admit it to himself. And then we get the reappearance of Fionn, who I don't think anyone was probably expecting that one. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I just imagined, like, a large guy who's gotten kind of fit, you know, because he he had to go back and get trained a little bit, and he just, like whipped a banana peel out in front of Raythan and Raythan tripped on it. He's like, got him. <laughs> no, he, uh, I guess he stabs him. It's not super clear. It's just all of a sudden Raythan felt a pain in his chest and he's bleeding. And he's like, wait, yeah. what the fuck? He's a, he's a whiz with the throwing knives. He used to be a magician. <laughs> so yeah, for some reason in my uh, head, there's, there's nothing in the text to support it. For some reason in my head, he had a crossbow. No, yeah, okay. I, I mean, yeah, he doesn't pull an arrow out or, or a quarrel out or anything, but yeah, I can see that. But no, it seems like they're moving in a crowd, because it says he looked out into the crowd and his eyes fell on the face of his murderer, so maybe he just, like, bumps up against him in this crowd and stabs him. Although they're running around in the darkness at night trying to avoid monks, so I don't know where this crowd suddenly came from. But this is where he admits in his head, it's like, oh, she would never know that he had come to love her. Goodbye, my princess. Which... I mean, again, like, I, I feel like that sort of undermines his character arc a little bit. It's like, it would have been so much more satisfying. It's like, no, at the end of the day, he was just doing it because it was the right thing to do. And, like, oh, it's also partially motivated on some level because he'd fallen in love with his opponent. I'm like, oh, really? That just, like, it just takes away from from what he's learned. I agree. It seems to muddle yeah. it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Dax, like, romance. <laughs> Forget <laughs> this. But when you go back and read the book, she is married there's to another you bastard. So, yeah, there's lots there's I lots mean, of times where he kind of cares about Serene and you're not sure why. And then you finally get it here that he's like, oh, he was kind of falling for her. Yeah. I mean, again, like it, it's not that it doesn't make sense in the context of the book, like even from like their first meeting up on the wall where like he's just like, all right, you you did you did very well. You took that confrontation away from me. Good job. It's like he clearly he respects her. So I can see how that would one would lead to the other. I just think that it clashes with his the fact that he he is like he turned on his religion because it was the right thing to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I got you. Yeah. At the very least, it's like it almost seems like he's trying to make it more noble than it is when he's like, no, this was the right thing to do. But really, maybe it was also maybe it was because of this other thing. So yeah. plus it's it's another one of those things like if this had been cut out of the book, the rest of the book would not be any different. So, no, you're right. I like that we get a Fionn viewpoint here also, where it's his first kill, and he's like, man, it really was easy. Apparently that was the test. You have to go knife a man <laughs> and you get into the, the assassin monastery. Yeah, at <laughs> first I thought I thought maybe um, it was like a test. Go go knife a random guy, and it was just happenstance that he got Kraythan. But then as I read on, I was like, ah. Oh. I thought Brandon was just having some fun with us with that with that perspective. It's like he was actually going for Serene, but he missed. He's like, ah, close enough. Well, and see, this is in the annotations. He talks about how this is another thing that he feels like might be almost like a twist just for the sake of a twist that he kind of was close to cutting out. But 
there's a reason that he kept it in there because it's what it is is setting up Wern as a more mysterious and powerful character. I it says I definitely meant to imply that Wern managed to see limitedly into the future and sent Fionn to a place where he'd be able to slay an important traitor to Fjorden. Yeah, I did not pick up on that. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it's pretty subtle. There's, there's the line from Wraithen where he's like, how did he, how did he find me here? And then uh, there's the line from Fionn where he's like, man, how did Wern know that Fionn would find Wraithen here on the streets of Tiaras of all places? Weird. Oh, uh, yeah. And I like Fionn's perspective ends with, with a merry step, he went back to his inn and ordered breakfast. Oh, I love that line. That was just so, that, that was, that really resonated with me. Right? It's great. Yeah. And then we cut to Rowden, who's healing the, the wounded, and Lucal's like, no, leave me. I'm nearly dead. See the others. And Rowden's like, dude, stop whining. <laughs> I don't know. It may be hard to remember now that Rowden has Galadon, but Lucal was his best friend before he went into Elantris. So that is just some, some old buddies messing with each other. Was it Rowden would always let Lucal win at every game they play? So, like, like Lucal's saying, no, leave me. I'm nearly dead. And Rowden's like, no, no, I get to win this one. <laughs> and after he's healed Lucal's like well you could have at least left a scar I went through it a lot to get that wound you should, see, you should have seen how courageous I was my grandchildren may be disappointed that I don't have any scars to show them and and it, it's it, it's hard for me to remember when we get to this point Rowden's like I can't find Serene or Dilloff or Hraithen anywhere like right obviously he wouldn't know where they went I'm not sure anyone knew where they were going except for the people who went yeah Dilloff did not leave the forwarding address yeah, not so much. And so even though they've won, they got Elantris magic back, turned everyone into Elantrians who were, you know, zombies. Round's still not feeling good because Serene's not here and she may be in trouble. Like Galadon shows up with a bunch of other people who were for the most part disoriented because a lot of them had been Hoed for years and had no idea what was going on more recently. And that's when Ace shows up and he's like, my lord, the princess, she's in Tioras and the kingdom is under attack. Brown's like, how the hell did she get there? Fair question, dude. You don't know about the, the thing where you sacrifice a guy to transport yourself. It's messed up. Really, the more we find out about this, like, fjordal magic, the the, the more it's like, wow, Andor is so much better. Like, you draw a thing, and then it does that same stuff, but you don't have to kill anyone for it. Like, here in a minute, Diloff is like, oh, yeah, I had to kill, like, 50 people had to die to give me this one power that I have. <laughs> Come back to Serene, and Diloff is approaching, and uh, she's like, oh no, this is bad. Shit's about to go down. Rowden gets up on top of the wall, and he's like, Seon, show me the exact direction of Teod's capital. And we established earlier, I don't know if you guys remember, that Seons have, like, perfect sense of direction, basically. It came up when Serene, Aish, was leading her through the sewers. And so, basically, he built that into the story specifically for this moment. And when Galadon realizes what Raiden's about to try to do. He's like, "Are you insane? You can't do that. Like you told me, you could transport yourself like right into a brick wall or something. You have no idea wh- how far you have to go. What are you doing?" And Raiden's like, "No, nope, I gotta do it. I gotta try. I can't leave her there." And that is when Adian shows up. And once again, this character is built into the story for this one moment, where he knows how many steps you have to take to get from here to where Raiden wants to go. Somehow, he can't even explain it himself, and he's. Kind of better now, being turning into an Elantrian sort of fixed some of what was going on in his head, but uh, he still can do the footsteps thing, and he, he's like, I don't, I don't know how I know, but I know that's how many steps it takes. The shard is just like, I need someone on this planet to be the numbers guy. It, yeah. 
Yeah, I need a rain man and fast. <laughs> and so Raiden transports himself using the steps uh, as a as a guide. And Gallon's like, this is insane. And he says, you're in charge until I get back, dude. And he transports himself with Aeon power. Yeah, so it, it's a lot like Aquaman power. It sounds like, and then you like show up. <laughs> and we cut back to Serene. Dilaf's about to kill her, and all of a sudden light appears, and a dude just pops out. A dude pops out, huh? Well, actually, I guess the first thing she sees is a spray of light crashing into one of the monks, throwing him through the air, and then the, a dude runs out. As the other monks are like, wait, what it's was not that? Quite, it's not quite Thor landing in Wakanda, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's no, it's no uh, Hulk jumping out, or Bruce Banner jumping out onto the bridge and breaking his neck. <laughs> that is that is true. Yeah. Raiden needs it's, it's like a, a, a Stormbreaker axe. Like who cut yeah. off Thanos? Oh yeah, where's 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 and where's uh, Anton's axe? Yeah, where's that thing? Oh, you you mean Keen's yeah. axe? Oh no, Anton's axe, no, the fire no, axe. No, no, You're right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, the fire no. axe that made such a big deal. The very the very axe he was the using the day that he the very axe. I wonder if that guy survived. <laughs> that would have been great. It would have been a great callback for him to be like um, the very axe. That Andon had again, like he did it twice. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like, guys, <laughs> the axe, it's back. Um, Tan did survive. <laughs> did he? Okay, good. Well, all of them, all of the people in that village became Hoed, and then they were being burned. But then when he fixed it, it somehow didn't burn them anymore. I don't, I didn't understand that. They but. weren't. I guess they weren't burnt enough. Yeah. To actually yeah. die, because I mean, there's plenty of Elantrians who had burned before. I guess so. what I'm confused about is like, does it, like if you're an Elantrian at full power, does fire not hurt you? And like, that's the part that confused me. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they just walked out like like ballers. Like, ah, oh, yeah, fire, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> maybe we'll it was just, just like... magically know how to use the aeons now. Yeah, good question. I was thinking maybe yeah, there's still, maybe like, there's it... like a go ahead. I was going to say, maybe they were still, like, in the process of the transformation as they walked out, so there was a little grace period before stuff hurts mm. them again. Yeah, or maybe there's, like, a ward in the city where, like, fire can't hurt people. Because mm. that would make total sense, you know, because they've built all those, they've etched all that stuff into the walls. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Rowden, he grabs her, and he's like, hold on, he's going to transport them out real quick. I, li- I-, I like this picture of him, like, transporting in and grab. he's like a Nightcrawler moment where he's going to grab her and, like, transport away real quick. Dude. But uh, it doesn't quite work. That, you're right. That's awesome. He's I mean, like, he... my name is Kurt Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> he swings the sword around. Ha ha! They do transport, but they just don't yeah. go real far. Uh, 50 feet down the street, they can see the, the monk standing there. He's like, I can only teleport where I can see. I'm sorry, Fraulein. And then there's another bamf. Big onomatopoeia <laughs> right in the middle of the book. <laughs> around it's like shit i forgot the aeons get weaker the further you go from elantris well and you know for for one thing the aeons are connected to the land even uh apart from the extra power boost from elantris they uh the further away you get from erilon the less good they are or the less useful they are i feel like you could just keep jumping 50 feet across running water (laughs) yeah that's what it is yeah so could they not make like and you know maybe this does happen but like could they not make Elantris-like cities in other parts of the world, and then the magic would also be boosted from that. Oh, so like a Wi-Fi range extender, maybe. Yeah. Well, it seemed like, if you remember back to Secret History, it seemed like uh, those guys had found a way to, like, pipe energy Somehow from somewhere. It. 
Yeah, maybe they had like a, maybe or maybe their planet. Yeah, they had a big glowy cord attached to the back of their uh, mm-hmm. fortress, leading going off into the distance. That's, so maybe there's a way to. That's right. The fortress is plugged into the Elantrian generator. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's also in the cognitive realm look though. Messed so. up too. That's in the cognitive realm, they look all messed up because they're too far away from Elantris, so the power is not working right. I I guess there's not really a time that this comes out necessarily. So I'll just tell you guys that the uh, the Irie. They are people who left the planet before the Rayod, ah. or at least for the most part. I guess it's possible they got some newer members, but that's the the, the group mostly left. So they were never affected by the Rayod, basically. Oh, so yeah. were we wrong? Were they not like all weird looking? They're a little different looking, but I think mostly. I mean, Rowden now has silver skin and white hair and stuff. So yeah. I I think mostly. They still look pretty much like Elantrians. It's just at the time they seemed really weird to us because we'd never seen something like that before. I guess I thought in Secret History like described one of the that one lady like as old looking, like she looked like her skin was wrinkled and stuff. But yeah, I think you're right. Really decrepit. Maybe, but maybe she was just. I was about to say maybe she was just a super old Elantrian. Mm. So they go off on their own because they were like, ah, we don't like the happy-go-lucky Elantrian culture here. We want to do our own thing. Uh, who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there was a, an international or uh, interplanetary trade route running through here yeah. also. And they're just they were business people off doing business or who knows? Yeah, I'm a businessman, big businessman. And he says in the annotations that basically trying to use the aeons where he is now, they'd be about as powerful as they were before he fixed Elantris when he was back in Aralon. So they're just it's like unamplified here or far enough away that it's basically it ends up being the same thing. And uh, Serene's just really confused because she hasn't uh, she didn't know any anything that happened since she left. So she's like, why is Rowden cool now? How is he transporting me? He looks very different than he did not long ago. How did he recover from the horrible wound that he had? Because the last time she saw him, Diloph was like shoved a sword through his stomach or something. And so they're running. And uh, apparently Rowden's new body is pretty badass because he's like, I could probably outrun these uh, these monks on my own, but not trying to take serene through these streets and they just happen to see the king like down down the street They're like hey let's go uh let's, let's go get to that guy so yeah a bunch of bad guys and serene says not much of a rescue he's like yeah okay next time i'll bring an army with me okay and that's when the army shows up yay hundreds of silver skinned forms pop out and galadon's like aeon da which what is aeon da do we know that one <laughs> wasn't that, that the wasn't that the fire one Maybe, maybe you're right. Let's see. And uh, is power or energy. The preferred offensive weapon of Elantrians. Basically a Kamehameha. Yeah. The light strikes its target with considerable explosive force. So yeah, very Kamehameha. Yeah, I get You're right. 200 hands start drawing Aeons, and about half of them actually uh, manage to complete the drawing. But it takes out some monks. And Diloph, his, Diloph was the only one of his men who thought to duck. The rest, confidently arrogant in their strength, simply allowed the powerful blasts to hit them. Idiots. I guess you don't have to be smart to be a dark hole. Guess not. I mean, in fact, given um, what we've seen, I think maybe you have to be kind of dumb. <laughs> because Zerathan's like, this is ridiculous. You're killing someone to travel a distance you could walk in 15 minutes? I'm not going to sit around like, you're going to throw my life away for some stupid shit like that. I think it's the dumb ones who are like, oh, this is awesome. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so a bunch of monks go down real quick, and Diloph is like, apparently, it says Diloph is the only one 
who has the power to be resistant to attacks by the door, something that had required the death of 50 men to create. So everyone else is getting torn apart. And after the first volley, the remaining monks are badly outnumbered. So Dilaw's like, I'm a go. (laughs) And really he, he, it's not that he's cowardly exactly. It's that he's like, okay, we're not going to win doing this. And there's still a chance that I can win if I play this smart. And so energy hits him, but he his bone wardings uh, leave him unharmed. And Serene points out that Diloff is running, and Ron's like, okay, let's go get him. Which, maybe you should have thought that through. Take a couple more guys, at least. Because they head off after him down an alley, and he immediately pops out and tackles Rowden. It's spilling silvery white Elantrian blood. So even their blood is, like, silver and white. It's weird. Ew. Yeah, what other... What other, like fantasy creatures have like silvery blood unicorns in harry potter they got that's true yeah right is a unicorn unicorn yep i mean sure oh but here's the part where he tries to put up a wall with an aeon and diloff just kind of touches it and makes it go away and he's like all right this is the guy that like made my illusion disappear just yesterday that was just yesterday guys when he was crowned king it seems like this already did we already get to the part where he talks about like yeah it took 50 men deaths yeah. to give me that that power that's the best thing i know right Ugh. killing a guy to go 15 minutes away killing 50 guys see like this is why there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of parallels between this uh some of the like magic and how it works as in mistborn like these uh dakor monks like killing people to make their powers work it's very reminiscent of hemalurgy i feel like mm, and making yeah. spikes and um the and so there's just like little pieces in there that I'm like, yeah, that's very that seems very similar to you're right to how that other stuff works. And it may just be that uh, it you know similarities to because they're in the same universe to like the laws of how the universe w- works. But yeah, that's an interesting point. And Diloth uh, has cut Rowden up a bit with his sword and beat him up some because Rowden. Despite being, you know, a good leader and an Elantrian and stuff, he's not really a warrior. He was trained in fencing, no. but that doesn't mean that he's, you know, this this guy who's extra strong, extra fast, and trained to fight. Uh, Diloph laughs, tapping Rowden on the side of the face with the tip of his sword. The skays are right, then. Elantrians are not indestructible. Ooh, the skays. Something that's mentioned that we'll never understand. So skays yeah. are essentially, and like... You don't really see or hear much about them, but Brandon has said, so I can tell you, you know, stuff that he said. But the skays are basically like evil seans. They're not not seans. Yeah, they're not seans who have become evil. They're like a different species, I guess, but similar to seans and evil. I wonder why. I wonder why the Gjorns would use regular seans then. That seems. Well, I don't know that the skays have the same power or anything like that. Oh, they're okay. just, they're that similar to Seans. That doesn't mean they can do everything you know the Seans do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of tra- trash talking black balls. Yeah. <laughs> later later Ian's like, oh, Ian's different. Maybe he's a skays now. Bum bum bum. No, no, not really. <laughs> he bounced three meters in the air. <laughs> then he bounced one point eight meters in the air. <laughs> <laughs> My people tell the same story. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And you uh bounce in peace. 
Oh, those balls. They should have gotten more uh, more time. The spheroids from yeah. Sphere on One. <laughs> yeah. We have seen too many body bags and ball balls. sacks. <laughs> Just when when uh, when Dax said black balls, for some reason, that's the first thing that came to mind. Was these, he's like, evil black balls. <laughs> yep, or trash-talking yeah. black balls. I was like, they're not black, but yeah, yeah they're trash-talking. Sure. <laughs> When uh, when he when he said that, I thought of the space uh, or excuse me, the uh, yeah, the space dragon. No, not the space dragon balls. What are the ones in GT that are like evil dragon? Oh, the balls, black basically. the black star dragon balls. Yeah, yeah the black, black star, star dragon balls. Yep. There you go. With the the evil dragons or whatever. Yeah, evil mega Shenron, Omega Shenron, or whatever. I've never actually seen that one, but I've read about it. So, uh, it's uh, actually, not GT's all right, I guess. Uh, they actually, actually, no, like the the evil dragons had nothing to do with the black star dragon balls. That was just a separate set that blew up the earth. Uh, uh, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, whenever the, you make the, a wish, uh, the planet explodes after a year or something. Yeah, right? like yeah. the evil dragons came out of the regular dragon balls when they broke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah, I I never watched that all the way through. GT falls victim to being very of the time. It came out in Japan in the '90s, so all the clothes are like really weird and. The yeah. show is weird. Vegeta has a flat top for some reason. It's weird. He had a mustache. Yeah, he did have a mustache. Mustache. Mustache of leadership? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, well, Yeah. Vegeta was never a real good leader, I have to say. No. Unless you're playing the card game, and then, you know, his uh, leader cards were okay. But it's just like, like, like card game? Yeah, oh, yeah. Gr- as an awesome Joe was really game. into the card game. Yep, and then my oh. community died, and but the nice thing is, the the card game's still very popular, so I've sold a lot of my cards for way more than I paid for them. Nice. But yeah, it's like he shows up when, he, like, Nappa. I, I mean, I'm just saying it's a good thing he was never king of the whole planet of Sands because he does not treat people under him well. No. When Nappa fails, he disintegrates him. Yeah, you know, you displease me. He learned from Frieza. We, we got to cut yeah. a break. Yeah, that's fair. And this has been the Dragon Ball section of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Diloff is is monologuing a little bit. He can't he can't help bragging about how he's still gonna win. Rin's fleets will defeat the To Armada. Well, my troops will march on Elantris. And then Serene's like, nobody beats the To Armada, bitch. And she comes out of nowhere with a sword, and they have a sword fight. But uh, good at fencing, Serene maybe she's not good enough to beat this guy. Yeah, this guy's real good. So he takes also, out like she's both of them. She's, she's relying on stabbing, and he's made out of bones. So yep. Yeah, he also has like a lot of monk training, and he's been alive for like seventy years or something. Right? Ron's just like no one could be expected to win a sword fight against one such as Diloff, and like Diloff's like, my revenge begins. You may stop yelling, my love, because remember his his dead wife's still screaming in his brain. Sure, sure, he's a freak. I get it. And he's gonna sword them to death when all of a sudden here comes Raithen. And Rodden does not know that Horathan betrayed him. Rodden's like, huh, why is Diloph not happy to see his friend? <laughs> Sword comes down and Horathan blocks with his arm. And everyone's like, what the? And so he's like, oh my gosh, he's one of them. And so his arm, which he's kept hidden all this time under clothing and a sleeve, even when he was shirtless, has the twisted patterns beneath the skin of the decor bone stuff. Makes sense. If he was there, he probably started the process and then yep. it's like ah now nah, I'm out. <laughs> Apparently Diloff did not uh remember because he's surprised by this. <laughs> Which is funny because in an earlier chapter he's like like yes I, I remember you. I remember doing this to you. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, wait, we actually did do that to him. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, you're the guy I was talking about before. Oh, man. <laughs> Maybe just without the armor, he just didn't recognize Raythan. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Like, oh, some shirtless guy. Yeah, yeah shirtless it's like bleeding. How dare no you interrupt me when me. I'm killing people? Yeah. But then Raythan gets his very badass moment here where Dilloff fucking just puts a sword in him, in his side. And he picks him up by the neck, and he holds him up and just, like, breaks the dude's neck before he then falls down and dies himself. And so, as ways to go out, uh, go, <laughs> that's pretty badass. I mean, it was cool. It was pretty abrupt. Yeah. Also, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, this is another scene that was uh, completely different in the first draft. I'll tell you guys about that, because it's funny. Hraithan just died. After his earlier, after getting attacked by Fionn in the original draft, he never comes back. And what happens is Brandon had built in this bit of the magic system that ends up not in this version and that uh, I don't think is ever going to come back where a Seon could, quote unquote, complete the Aeon at the center of them to like cast it one time in a very powerful way, but it would kill them. So basically they can like do one really awesome thing, whatever their mm. their Aeon is, but they die yeah. in the process. And so So was it gonna be Aish? No, in the original version, Ian shows up yeah, Ian heals. completes his healing Aeon, except that his Aeon is still broken because of Rowden turning into an Elantrian. So his healing doesn't heal. It turns Diloff into one of those half-turned Elantrians like his wife was. Just the oh. same way the same way the incomplete healing Aeon messed up his wife, it messes up Diloff in the same way. That would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been cool, but I feel like at the same time, it would have like kind of been messed up. Like, you don't want to be as bad as what, what the enemy thinks you are, you know? It just seems kind of... It, it would be kind of messed up, I feel like, to do that. Brandon and his editor felt like it was very deus ex machina, like all of a sudden, like... Because even though they'd established that it was something an Aeon could, or a Seon could do, you never saw it or anything until this moment. So they felt like it kind of came out of nowhere to solve the major problem of the book, just this thing that, that happens. And yeah. also, I think I've read elsewhere that he decided not to have Seons able to do that. So uh, that was another reason to take it out, just because it's a part of the magic system he did not want to include. But anyway, so yeah, that was the original. Well, when when you were saying, it's like, oh, the... The, the original way this is play out, I think my mind's just straight away gone to, oh, God, the Mad Prince was going to show up and try and take off Dilloff's head <laughs> and he was going to miss or something, but that would give Raiden enough of a, an opening to finish him off. That would have been awesome. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would have been amazing. Dilloff's like, what the hell are you doing? What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. But he ends that, that annotation with, like, it pays off to have a good editor. So, Galadon shows up and everything's done. Rowden is trying to heal Serene, but in the fight, both of his hands got messed up by Dilloff, so he can't draw Aeons with his hands anymore. So he has to explain to Galadon how to draw the healing Aeon to heal his hands so he can heal Serene. The Armada managed to get out there, and they seem to be doing well in the fight, so that's good. And Galadon's like, dude, you are so lucky. And Rowden's like, well, I mean, you followed me, right? He's like, well, yeah, after Ace told us that you made it, because we're not crazy like our king. <laughs> And Serene's just sitting there like, okay, somebody's going to start explaining to me what the hell is going on right now. Oh, that girl. And then we cut to a wedding. Serene's straightening up Rowden's jacket. 
He's like, aren't you supposed to go through, like, you're supposed to be in the chapel praying alone or whatever? Isn't that, like, the tradition? She's like, look, I did that, and for some reason my potential husbands keep disappearing, so I'm going to keep an eye on you until this is done. All right? All right. <laughs> and he's calling her Lucky Stick like her dad does, which I feel is a little weird to take your fiancé's yeah, nickname for his daughter. and Yeah, yeah and 100% that is that is weird. <laughs> We, we we see that Ian is, is okay now because he comes in. It's like, it's time, my lord, my lady. So that answers if anyone had a question about whether the seance got better. There's your answer. For some reason, I pictured him coming in and he's got a voice like Christopher Lee. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have no idea why. For some reason, in my mind, he sounds really young. But uh, I'll, I'll go with yours. Yours works. Maybe it's just like I said, a stoic voice. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, man. Like, he, Christopher Lee, like, he, like. When he sounds stoic, is like something to listen to, so. Sure. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just thinking about Saruman, no. <laughs> well, wasn't always stoic. Oh, man. That guy. I like, we get into the wedding, and he's like, yeah, you know, Father Roman's super long-winded. Uh, Rowden kind of stops paying attention. He's thinking about all the other stuff that happened. They had a piece of bone that they'd retrieved from a dead fjordal monk. It looked like a piece of carved ivory or a bundle of engraved wooden rods all twisted together. And the symbols on it were ancient fjordal characters. Dorethy monks had devised their own version of Aeon Dor. And so Which he that's mentioned... what you want to think about in your wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah, bones from dead guys. Hmm. Uh, he mentions in the annotations, he's like, so I, I put a lot of the loose threads in here. The most important one, of course, being the concept of, that Fjordan has gained access to the door, presumably recently. The decor are a newer development. Wern was just getting ready to use them against Elantris when the city fell on its own. Diloph was not the only decor plant inside Erlon, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, I think I've given myself plenty of room for sequel here. There are questions about the door, about Fjordan, about Seans. So that's all stuff that he will want to touch on if he does another one. He thinks about the fact that if a few more of those monks had had the power to, you know, shrug off Aeons, then that battle might have ended very differently. But given that you have to kill 50 people for it, I guess it is hard to get a lot of people equipped that way. Keeping no one left. Right? So we know that, uh, I guess... Being burned or stabbed and stuff was not enough. The, you know, when the when Elantris came back, all that healed. Head chopped off like Karada, that was a little far. You can't you come back from that. So Karada's gone. Ian claims to remember nothing of his time of madness, but he seemed a little bit different. He thinks about Shuden's chase shan dance and the fact that people had said that they saw him glowing as he fought. Rowden was beginning to suspect that there was more than one way to access the door, far more. And one of those methods was in the hands of the most brutal, domineering tyrant in Opalon, Wern Wolfden the Fourth, Regent of All Creation. Alfred, wait no, Albus Wolfric Ryan Percival Dumbledore. <laughs> I said it in the wrong order, but Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. Serene notices that he's not paying attention and elbows him in the middle of their wedding in front of everyone. <laughs> and the the wedding's done. They have a kiss. And he's like, was it everything you were hoping for? Oh, so yeah, I was know, really hoping for my husband not to pay attention. Right. <laughs> so, there's a bit here where it says, "Oh, Andon must be okay," because he says, "Oh, I've got a thing that Tarn carved." Oh, you're and right. So he he at least came back. Good, good. I was hoping him and Marishi made it out okay. No, I'm sure Marishi just like well, the the body that was left behind was just the decoy he whipped up, and now he's traveling the countryside. <laughs> he, yep, he, he made it he's, out okay. He's cruising around in, like, a car he made out of, like, spare parts. Yep. <laughs> and we, we get to end it on this cheesy line where she's like, there's something I've been looking for even more than my wedding, the wedding night. And Gross. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was a cheesy line. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so we get into the epilogue, and it says the, the day was warm and bright. Uh, they're burying people that uh, that they've lost in this recent fight. Elantris has been revitalized. Serfdom procla- proclaimed illegal. It's been a week since the wedding. Rowden let all the nobility keep their titles, but uh, he made it so that each lord is a servant of Elantris, and he charges them with caring for people in different parts of the country. They are less aristocrats and more food distributors. Which, that's nice, I guess. You give them something that they're supposed to do to help people. That's probably the way that that should work. Hmm. I like uh, that we're reminded many times that both Rowden and Galadon have transformed, but since Galadon had darker skin in the first place, his his skin looks like iron instead of the very silvery light skin of uh, Rowden. And he's still bald when everyone else has grown hair, and he's like, yeah, I've been bald since I was 30, so I guess it's it just feels right. Yeah, it's a thing. rough, buddy. <laughs> We find out that Adian had been uh, an Elantrian for like five years, and the family decided to cover it up with makeup instead of throwing him into Elantris. I'm surprised more families didn't do something like that. If you actually care about your kid, I don't think you want to throw him in Elantris. Yeah, I think there's enough superstition, religious <laughs> superstition going on to keep them from doing that. But yeah, I, I think more than just Keen's family would probably have done that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to say that other people hadn't done that, so. Right, that's true. I guess it's also a matter of, like, it probably had to be nobility who could pull it off with the makeup because, like, the poorer families wouldn't have the resources to do that unless they just hit True. him in the cellar or something. Yeah. Um, guess when your dad is uh, Drio Crushthroat, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Yeah, nobody's going to mess with him. He'll collapse his entryway. <laughs> Drio Crushthroat and his amazing makeup kit. Yeah. Well, you know, he'll make you some dinner and then you'll forget why you showed up in the first place to ask about his kid. Yeah. But speaking of which, she's also, she sees <laughs> Keen over thing. there. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. The dumb thing that pops into my head when you started talking about that is like, um, he, he advised you for dinner and you don't leave because when he starts a food fight, he's got that much food, he'll kill you with it all. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going until like you've had four or five pot roasts just knock you unconscious and then you're gone. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why that came into my head. Pot roast can knock you I don't you know why you're losing it. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, Pyros is a pretty hefty. She can't get an answer out of Keen or her dad about what happened. No, no, neither of them wants to talk about it, but she's beginning to suspect that Keen was, in fact, the older brother and that Evanteo stole the throne from him. Which is, he told you that already, so I don't know why you're like, oh, I suspect this. Count Han shows up with his daughter, and apparently he is very different since his death and has lost, uh, since Royal's death, rather, and has lost an anar- alarming amount of weight. The others have not forgiven him for his part in the Duke's execution. So he lost all his buddies at the same time. So they buried Royal, Eondel, Karada, and a grave for Salen, even though uh, there's no body for him. Yeah. They say Iodon, too, right? Like, next to his grave. That's yeah, where they buried yeah, them. up where he yeah. was, yeah. yeah. No mention of Telri, which, you know. Yeah, who Jubilee cares just threw his body into the chasm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, technically, though, Telri hadn't actually done anything yet, had he? I mean, he was waiting for Wern to make him a Gion, but... I mean, he killed Royal. I guess that's the big thing that well, he like against. Yeah, true. Also, he was an asshole, so just nobody likes him. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot that he killed Royal. Yes, you're right. Even before that, nobody Tarina. liked him. Yeah. Tarina's, Tarina's is, like, you know, his daughter's still around and presumably get their back is back together with Shuden, so, like, yeah. Let's, let's, let's not just desecrate the body while, while his, his daughter's still here. No, Trina's a Hans daughter. And a Hans oh, daughter. Yeah. yeah, no, sorry, I got that completely mixed up. Disregard. 
do we know? Have we seen Shuden since uh, that fight? Did he make it? No. So, I mean, they don't. I, I thought about that several times. They don't say. So they say he gets hit in the head. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't know if that kills him. And then he is never brought up again. Interesting. I feel like if he died, he would be here, like buried up here with the others. So he probably made I think it. So. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they did mention him offhandedly on a page, but I, I didn't notice. Oh, yeah, no, there is here um, in the epilogue, Raiden is talking uh, to Shuden and Lukal and Serene's watching him. Yep, oh, sure enough, right. you're right. You guys are right. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy who just got a Han and Tellery mixed up, dude, it's okay. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, had a long day. But they also have a grave up here for Horathan of Fjordan, High Priest and Holy Gjorn of Shudareth. They left his funeral for last. And so Serene gets up and makes a speech. About how she thought that you could know a man by being his enemy, but she understood a lot about stuff about this guy, but she did not see his internal conflict. She could not know the heart of a man that drove him to reject all he had once believed in the name of what he knew was right. When you remember this man, think not of an enemy. Think of a man who longed to protect Erlon and his people. Red and Serene would both be dead if he hadn't shown up. In fact, all of you would probably be fighting for your lives or dead if it weren't for this guy. And yeah, the book, that's true. The book ends with, let it be said, after all else, that he was not our enemy, he was our savior. Which, if you remember, is exactly the beginning of his first chapter, where he's like, their savior had just arrived and they didn't know it yet. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's okay, I guess. It's (laughs) kind of a weird way to end this particular story. To put, and I think that was maybe the worst part about the ending for me. It's like they, the entire focus of the end of the story is like, Raithan was good guy. Like, I don't, in my head, it makes sense to have, because we had three main characters and now we only have two main characters left. So they spend the end talking about the one that's not there anymore. I guess it was just the savior line. I think that Mm. did it for me. I was like, Oh, Oh, like, yeah. Okay. He definitely helped. And (laughs) yeah, you know, he he was true to who he was. Yeah. But uh, was he really the savior? Yeah, and I mean, I know he's just trying to bookend it with what he said at the beginning in his first chapter, but at the same time, it just doesn't fit. It's like, and I don't have as much of a problem with this because not all the focus is on that character, but it's like at the end of Harry Potter when he's like, you're named after one of the bravest men I ever knew. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah Snape was brave, but he was still like a jerk. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> yeah, that always right? gets to me too. I'm like, no matter why he did what he did, he was an asshole constantly, and he didn't have to be. Like, that no. was his choice. Yeah, it was definitely his choice to act the way that he did. And and so I feel like Hraithan's arc is somewhat similar. I would say Hraithan wasn't always a jerk. He just had, like, very strong beliefs, and he was doing what he thought he needed to do to get those things done. But, uh, you know, it's very reminiscent to me of that. Mm, I can see that. We, we never saw Hraithan abuse people for kicks. It's true. Like Neville. <laughs> Neville didn't abuse. No, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, he was ruthless, though, and, you know, he did what he needed to do to get things done. Like, if he had to kill one person, he probably would have done it, mm-hmm. you know? He, oh, yeah, 100%. He still, like, faked Serene being an Elantrian. It's one thing to do it to yourself, but to do it to her as well, where she could have actually been in some real danger. Yeah, like, he yeah. thought that that was, like, a cutthroat place where they would kill you as soon as look at you, and he didn't hesitate to send her in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. And then he did have to incapacitate some 
some guys coming after his food at one point. You can make the self-defense argument there, though. Yeah, but I mean, it just goes. Well, no, the I whole, just meant like, like, yeah, he knows how dangerous it could potentially be. Exactly. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, that is the end of this book. We have finished our fourth full Sanderson book. How exciting is that? Bowsers. So let's we, we can go into some predicaments uh, if you have something or we can also, you know, do it at the same time. If you have some favorite moments from the book that you want to touch back on or what did you like or dislike most, we can roll that all into our predicament section for today. Since you don't have that much that uh, you can predict about what's coming next, you could try. I mean, feel free to come up with the craziest predictions you, you care to. But just uh, what do you guys think? Um I don't have any predictions. I don't really know what's coming. All all I would think would be it would be nice to know more about the magic systems, which it sounds like if Brandon was ever going to write another book, that that would come up. Uh, sorry, Bobby. Really? Now is the time you decide to wake up. Okay. Sorry. Someone else jump in. I'll come back. All right. I'll jump in. So yeah, I don't have any predictions, pr- predicaments per se. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to know what we're going to be reading next because I still don't know. But uh, no, I I uh, enjoyed this book. I would say as a standalone book, it's to me a little more successful than the Final Empire. Even though I would say if I had to say which one I liked more, I liked the final empire more, but as a standalone book, I feel like this one's a little more successful. Okay. So for that reason, if I'm going to rate this book out of 10, I'm going to give this one a 6.8 out of 10 for me. That's uh, a I, I I can't quite give it a seven. I'm going to say 6.8. It's pretty good. I like a lot of the, the interactions between the characters. I think the hardest part for me with a lot of the Sanderson books are the abrupt endings. And then also the focus at the very end of the book seemed a little off to me. And I don't know what it was. I just don't feel like the three story pattern with each character was quite as successful as I would have liked. I just didn't, there were times when it really put me off reading. I'm like, Oh, I have to read another Hraithen chapter. <laughs> like, and I like Hraithen. So, and it kind of, it, it kind of was weird to me when we got a little more than halfway through the book and then his chapters became like almost they became shorter and almost like not super important, or at least they didn't seem like they were super important. So the pacing, even though I know that's kind of Brandon's thing, the pacing in this book just seemed kind of kind of weird to me. But I liked the story. I liked the characters. And so, yeah, overall, I'd, I'd say it's a good book. No, okay. makes sense to me. Yeah, I don't know if I can really make much in the way of predictions. I feel like there is, like, there is definitely a lot of room here for a sequel. I mean, obviously, like, you've got, it, it really does feel like Wern is, basically, basically, it's like finishing the first uh, Star Wars movie and knowing that the Emperor is still out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, like, obviously, like, the Emperor only got mentioned a couple of times, like, once or twice in A New Hope, but, uh, it's it's effectively the same thing. It's like the person responsible for the empire is still out there. So yeah, I feel like you can easily expand into more and learning more about um Wern and sure. uh, and the and the fuel and the fuel empire as a whole. I I guess if I if if I had to make some assumptions, like well, Darkor Minist- like monastery is gone now. If uh 
because it seems like most of their guys got wiped out. It's it's a pain in the ass process to make them, and their their grag dead is dead. So maybe the the fjordals have lost quite a lot of their power from like their most feared of monasteries is now impotent. I guess. Yeah, that's a good or, point. You know, I didn't even consider that that that's their super scary monastery, and most if not like all those guys are now gone. And we know that apparently each of these bone transformations or whatever requires like deaths and the more powerful the power they're giving you, the more deaths it required. So that was a lot of lives invested in these guys, like 50 just for the one power on the one guy. Right. So that is a lot of investment, just like poof, gone. That's a good point. It's it's like, it's like the inquisitors. It's like, you know, you have, you have to have a fresh person for each new spike being driven into their body. So, yep. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's reminiscent a, of the Lord Ruler saying, like, do you know how hard it is to replace those? Yeah. It's, it's like, Wern's just sitting in his office and someone comes in and it's like, sir, everyone from Dark Horror is dead. And Wern's just like, what? Do you know how many people we had to kill to make those? God damn it. <laughs> he just sighs. another nation just to... <laughs> yeah. He just sighs. He's just like, uh, round up the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like as as for the book itself, like I liked it. It was pretty good. Like I said, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the others, but it's also like we read three books which I, re- I really liked all back to back that were part of one series. This is the first one we've read that isn't a part of that series. So mm-hmm. and so of course we're going to be comparing it to what we've already read and just how how that goes. I think um like I said, I think that there are quite a few missed opportunities in this book which like did like, just weren't as interesting to me. Not saying that that makes the book worse, but from my perspective, I just didn't enjoy reading it as much as the previous. So there's that. Um, sure. And I and I agree with Joe. I think that the the three chapter system, like the triads, it started okay, but as the book went on, especially for some of Raithen's chapters, it really felt like they were just thrown in there to adhere to the triad system. It's like, oh, I've got to have a, Ra- a Raithen chapter here, even though there's really nothing to say in it. And then at the end, like, it just started flashing back and forth between, like, those three characters and a, and a few other characters as well. And it's like, well, you may as well not have had the triads because we just thrown it out. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, the ending almost seemed jarring because we were so used to this different way of Yeah, I think that's reading. the point. Is yeah. That you, yeah. You, it's supposed to seem like things are falling apart and stuff as everything goes nuts. No, I mean, I get that. But at the same time, like, as a reader... It's confu- you get confused then because you're like, okay, wait, wait, what's happening now? Like, what's going? Like, you have to make yeah, sure who your readers. Yeah, exactly. You have to make sure your readers still able to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it just it just seemed like I I understand it's like to see it's to see more chaotic and everything's going to hell. But when you've established a structure and then at the last minute you just knock that structure down, it's like, oh, okay. Well, what was the point of having the structure yeah. to start with? You built this like house of cards and then you're just like, oh. Knock that crap over. Yeah. So on the since you since you brought it up on the topic of potential sequels, I've got what Brandon said like years ago when this book first came out. He's like, if I do a sequel, this is probably what it will be like. And of course, like I said, this is this is like 20, 10, 15 years ago, something now. So if he actually does one, it may be completely different. But I thought it would be interesting to touch on. He says a book. The book would take place 10 years after the events of Elantris and it would occur in the capital city of Fjorden. It would star Keen's children as the viewpoint characters, along with a Seon viewpoint character. The plot of the book Ooh. would be Wern has declared that Jadeth is going to finally return. 
A new interpretation of the scriptures says he'll return when everyone east of the mountains converts, so that now they don't have to worry about Teod and Erlon. Kane's family are ambassadors to the Fjordal State and have to deal with the chaos of this announcement and investigate the truth behind decor magic. Uh, he also says that the Seon viewpoint character would probably be Hraithan Seon, who is now Adian's Seon. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So just something that popped into my head to tell you all about when you were mentioning, like, the potential sequel stuff. Yeah, that sounds okay, I guess. I would read that. Yeah. Also, it sounds like capitalizing on the fact that, like, early on, it seemed like Casey was going to be a really major character, and then she just mm-hmm. disappeared. Yeah, the, she really did. I mean, we didn't again, see her at all. makes sense. She's 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 a she's a twelve year old child. So what's yep. she really gonna do against bone monks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's she was the secret hero of the book. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like Queen Eshin was the secret villain. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay, Jamie, it's your turn. Yeah, you had sorry anything about additional? That. No, you're good. Um. So I don't remember what I said already. <laughs> um. Well, we, we spoke about the triads. I, I agree. I actually really liked them at first. It was kind of nice when we had three different things happening, but I feel like, yeah, it wasn't really necessary once they started to sort of intertwine with each other. But, I mean, I didn't hate it. I also really liked the the choppy changiness of the end. I mean, it is a bit jarring against, you know, having the triad system for so long. I guess if they'd sort of started in the triads and then, you know, kind of weaned us off it a bit earlier, maybe it would have been less jarring. But I I liked the fast-paced chop and change. It sort of just, for me, it creates that that urgency as well. And it's like, don't forget, this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And it's it's exciting. And, you know, I, I really liked that. I liked that on the whole we had good people mostly that we were following you know we, we didn't have anyone that we were like oh like this guy um again <laughs> no i really enjoyed sorry no straps mm. no straps yeah um no straps no no scoot no uh, spooks no uh yeah zane. Spook wasn't a bad no zane. person no zane yeah but he wasn't no. he wasn't a good person to follow he was a little creepy <laughs> Uh, by the end but yeah i know why you're sad (laughs) (laughs) i also i also just really enjoyed that there were sort of positive relationships you know serene's a a strong female character she had a really good relationship with her father Mm. and then had also a really good relationship with her uncle and i mean not that we've seen too much since it came to light or she's still suspecting whatever's happened between her father and and her uncle but she seems to still have a good relationship with both of them which is nice it's like the, it's their issue not her issue sort of thing it's true i i did like Horizon's storyline i thought that was really well done yeah and and just a, a bit different bit of a different story for me again i was fairly new to fantasy genre starting with you know miss born and it was nice to get just another another story but I, like on the whole i did enjoy the book i i don't think i enjoyed it as much as like final empire I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than Well of Ascension. <laughs> it just, I, I felt like that book dragged. And even though there was a lot of, I wouldn't say like politicking, I guess, in this book, there was a lot of, you know, talking, coming up with plans and things like that. But I feel like there was enough going on that sort of warranted them having to come back and, and talk about another plan or what else was going on. You know, you'd sort of come up with a plan. And it's like, oh, wait, Biden's a sadistic killer okay (laughs) hang on let's reset and and figure this out and yeah i felt like there was a need to sort of keep coming back to these meetings 
you know, of these people. But again, it wasn't it wasn't so overdone, which was really nice. And you weren't stuck on one particular part of the story for way too long either. Because mm. um, when you think about it, we actually packed a lot into this book. Yeah, I agree. A lot of craziness. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff. Like it actually, it did move quite rapidly. So it's yeah, like it's wrapped it's, up pretty well. It's not like a super action-filled book, but you're right. Lots of like stuff happens. Yeah, like you, you know, obviously we've got the time. You know, they, they've gone to to um, Teod in the end, but there's that time that Raven was in Elantris, and then Serene was in Elantris, and all that time before Serene was in Elantris. Like, <laughs> there's 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 a hell of a lot of stuff, and I mean, this is only the fourth Sanderson book we've read, but I really do enjoy that those little nuggets that have been you know, put into the story earlier that do come back. You know, everything does have a significance somewhere. It's not just putting stuff in for the sake of putting stuff in. Like, I think he's pretty good at that, um, bringing it all together in the end. I mean, yeah, there's some things that you kind of like, why would you bring that up if you weren't going to do anything with it? Mm. But for the most part, it does have significance down the line, which I like. You've got to be paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. Paying attention definitely helps. You're right. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Uh, so for next time, we're reading – it's four things that we're going to read, and you guys can pick whatever order you want to do them in because they're really kind of four completely separate little things. But I will uh, – the first thing is directly – starts directly after the epilogue that we just read. It's a section of the Ars Arcanum called On Aeon Door, and it discuss it. this is Chris, remember, writing all the Ars Arcanums. And she is discussing what her research of the magic on this planet has found out. And it's it's really it's pretty short. It's like it's like uh, just a few pages. So that's the first thing. The second thing, like I told you guys before, is going to be in my book, at least it's past past the Ars Arcanum, past the deleted scenes, past the is it past the postscript. Uh, yes, it is past the postscript. Let me figure out exactly how far past if it's past about the author also. Oh, it is between. What in my table of contents says postscript and about the author. It's in between those two. And it is another just a few pages of uh, something happening. The third thing is going to be we're going to jump over to Arcanum Unbounded. And it is the Selish system. It's the essay about this system. And that is let me look in my it's like one of the first things in this book. It's like right after the preface of, of Arcanum Unbounded is the Selish system essay so we're going to read that essay where chris is writing about the system and the planets in it and, and uh some history of the uh, uh influence of shard on this planet and so on so between the essay and the ars arcanum you're going to find out a lot of information about the magic and uh shardic influence here so that'll be interesting and then the fourth thing is also in Arcanum Unbounded. You're going to skip over the Emperor's Soul, which is right after the Solar System, and go down to the short story called The Hope of Elantris. And it is it is a short story that takes place basically in the final section of uh, – well, mostly in the final section of Elantris. It's actually kind of a flashback to like, uh, oh, this is what was happening to some other characters while you were watching the main characters. Uh, well, while stuff was happening. So those are the four things that we're going to read for next time. I'll pop that in our chat to hopefully the one doesn't even have a title. It's just like hidden between those sections of that book. So I don't even know what to call it really, but, uh, that's what I was about to ask. Cause I was scrolling through and I was like, I wonder if it's this thing. It doesn't have a title. Yeah, it's a thing that does not have a title. And I don't know what it looks like in yours. Uh, even though I think you have the same version of mine, but you're, 
Yeah, it's just it's just like it just starts. Yeah, like you you, you read the postscript about he's talking about yeah ten years ago I did this and then it's after that's over it's like Brandon Sanderson February 2015 and then hey something starts uh, just so that you can make sure you're identifying it correctly the first word is Hoyd so uh, yep that is uh, oh, that wow. is good buddy Hoyd. Yes, that is for next time. We're, we're not quite done with Elantris. We've got these little bits and pieces to collect here at the end for one more episode. But uh, that is what we are doing next time. So, yeah, four, not really chapters, four things for next uh, week. And then the week after that, we will be taking a step back in Ars Arcanum. And we will be read, starting our read-through of... The Emperor's Soul, which is a novella, so it's a little longer than a short story, but not quite a novel. Uh, my schedule says it will take us four weeks of reading to get through that one. Like Sacred History. Yeah, well, like, very similar in length to Secret History, yeah. And I, I, I think I've told you guys before, but it is a popular opinion, which I share as my opinion, that this may be the single best self-contained story that Brandon has written, is The Emperor's Soul. Wow! So... I'm excited to read that one with y'all. I really love it. We'll see if you guys agree. If anyone would like to send us emails, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, all those sorts of places where things happen. I actually have a post on Instagram in a couple of weeks. I need to go back and do that. I've been distracted. Uh, but I, but in that time, I also you know got the YouTube update. So you can, I, I, I can maintain one social networking type platform at a time, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So come back next time for the the our, our rounding out of Elantris-related things, and then after that, moving into the Emperor's Soul. Send us emails and stuff. I'm uh, like I said, I'm excited to get into Emperor's Soul, but this next episode has a lot of little details and stuff that I think you guys uh, will find very interesting. So I'm excited about that one too. For us, I think it'll be a couple weeks before we record again. So, uh, but for you guys, hopefully there will not be another pause. Uh, we'll be straight through. So come back for that. Wasing. To the time of next, Colo, music by Miracle of Sound. <laughs> you got I it. Forgot nice. it. Yeah. I had to. Get, I, I realized as I was saying the other thing that I'd forgotten that, so I was like, I think I gotta hurry up and get it before they call me on it.